0: Well, what do you fear most in life? I know it's not the most uplifting way to start the very first sermon of the new year, but hang with me, what do you fear most in life. For for a lot of people, it would be what I'm doing right now. Public speaking is right up there at the top of the list. I could throw out some, some common fears that would connect a lot of us in the room. Perhaps a fear of heights. Don't know if that's you. Fear of snakes. I would fall into that. One fear of spiders. And And there's other fears as well, that we kind of fall into the mix. Like, Here's one that, that, that lands on a lot of us. The fear of the Patriots winning the Super Bowl again. That's right up there top of the list, right? Like, I don't agree with Bronco fans on many things, but the hatred of the Patriots, me, the Bronco fans, and Jesus, we are locked in on that one, right? Can I get an amen from the church people today? Here, here's where I'm going with this, okay? Whatever we fear, a lot of times, reveals what we value most especially in the moment. Like the reason we're afraid of heights is we don't want to fall and die. So we value being alive, right, as we're afraid of, of heights. Other fears might, might reveal a value of comfort or security or protection or reputation. Whatever it is, many times, whatever we value the most is revealed in the fears, that we experience. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis, lead pastor here at Element Church. Just want to say thank you for choosing to start uh, your year with us here today. And for everyone who is here, whether you're physically in the room, maybe you're joining us on video somewhere, Happy New Year to you as well. So glad that you're here with us as uh, we start a brand new sermon series at the first of the year called First. And we're talking about Making sure the most important things are first in our life. Back to fear for a second. Could what we fear actually reveal what is first in life? Our life. I don't know if you've ever been up to uh, Hidden Falls in Kurt Gowdy State Park outside of Cheyenne here. If you've never been there and you're physically able to go, it's a fairly easy hike, and it's an absolutely gorgeous up there at Kurt Gowdy. And there is this waterfall, that's kind of tucked away in the hills, hidden behind some rocks, hence the name Hidden Falls. Well, the last time my family went up there, I took some pictures. So here's a picture of of Hidden Falls, kind of off there in the distance, in between those rocks. If you wade back in the water. There's actually two waterfalls back there. You can get a picture of that as well. Uh, so there's a picture of the both waterfalls coming down. The day we were there is about, I don't know, chest deep if you wade back there into the water. I do know someone who's in the service that stood under the water to take a picture. I was not that brave. He's way braver than I am because it's frigid water up there even in, in the summertime. Here's a picture of our family as well. Uh, we were up there at, at Kurt Gowdy at the Hidden Falls. So uh, I got the sabbatical beard going on there. It was awesome. Uh, but my wife and two daughters, and or uh, three daughters, are youngest, Jada, on the bottom right, got just beautiful smile grinning from ear to ear. Here's a picture of just Jada and I. I took her back as, as far as she was comfortable with uh, in the water there close to the falls. And the reason I pointed out Jada in those pictures is based on her reaction, her smile, you might say that Her priority in life that day was spending time with with family, seeing part of God's beautiful creation, clinging to her daddy as we waded as far back into the water as, as she would let me go. But you see, I know better because I was there and she may have appeared to have a different priority, but I assure you there was one thing that was first on her list in life that day. And here was that one thing, avoiding a snake. And here's why. Earlier in our hike that day, about a quarter of the way into Hidden Falls, we were walking down a single file trail. Jada was bravely leading the way of our family when all of a sudden I hear a blood curdling scream and Jada comes tearing back to where we are in an absolute panic. Now I got to be honest, at first I thought it's a bear we're going to die. But there was no animals in sight and so that was quickly alleviated. But so she was clinging to her mother, just literally bawling her eyes out. I calmed her down enough to say, "Jada, what's wrong?" Like what happened? And through her tears, through her heavy breathing, she mustered out, "I saw a snake." That's when I heard another blood-curdling scream that sounded like a girl coming from me. <laughs> so I mustered some courage, and I asked her, a snake, where did you see it? As if I would do anything about it if I knew where it was. And she points down the trail to a bush, and right over there, it went right across the trail in front of me into that bush. So again, I mustered up some courage, did what any brave father would do, I told my wife, go see if it's still there. (laughs) Just kidding, I didn't do that. I told one of my other girls, go see if it's still there. So I I did go over there. And while many of you would like me to say in the story that a snake jumped out at me because you're mean like that, that is not what happened. The snake was gone and we never saw another snake again the rest of the day. But Jada sure thought she did. Because let me tell you, for the rest of our hike, even in between pictures we took where she looked like she was having the time of her life, I assure you she was not because her head was on a swivel the entire day. Anything that moved, she screamed. A leaf across the path, she screamed. A stick touched her legs, she screamed. The water moved, she would scream. She was terrified. Her number one priority the entire day was not to get attacked by a snake. Her biggest fear revealed what was first in her life, especially in that moment. The same is true for us, by the way, in our lives. Here's the big idea for today. If you want to write it down, it's on the screens. It's this. Whatever you feel the, fear the most will reveal what is first in your life. Whatever you fear the most will reveal what's first in your life. And I'm talking about more than snakes and heights, by the way. I'm talking about deep down inside. That's what I wrote in my journal back on Sunday, September 3rd. It's where this whole sermon series was born from actually. That Sunday, September 3rd was the first Sunday back at Element Church following a three month sabbatical over the summer that our our family was blessed with uh, by the church and that Sunday, I was just super nervous about my return to Element Church. I was feeling some anxiety about what people would think that day because it was my first Sunday back and I wasn't preaching. Now, I I knew that, that all of you were incredibly supportive. The church couldn't have been any better for us or for the church during the sabbatical, but I was listening to some lies from the enemy in my mind. The enemy was just speaking lies, lies like you haven't preached all summer, and now on your first Sunday back, you're still not preaching. What will people think? How are people going to react to this? How is this going to look to everyone? So I sat down before I came to church like I do every Sunday, opened my Bible spent some time with God in the Word. I was reading the Gospel of Luke. I came to a story where Jesus was confronting the Pharisees. And there's one phrase in Luke 20, verse 19 that God used just to wreck my heart that day. Luke 20, verse 19 says this. The teachers of religious law and the leading priests wanted to arrest Jesus immediately because they realized he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers, which has nothing to do with what I was feeling, but here's the line that wrecked me. But they were afraid of the people's reaction. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart and said, Jeff, you are afraid of people more than me. Stop me dead in my tracks. I repented in that moment. I confessed to God that he was right, and I wrote this in my journal. Lord, I have a tendency to fear people more than you, and I hate that. I want to fear you alone. I'm reminded, I wrote, of Isaiah 8, 13, and 14, which will be our main scripture here in a second. Lord, I'm choosing to fear you today. I'm choosing to put you first, and then I wrote down what the big idea is for today. Whatever you fear the most reveals what's first in your life. So if that's true, if whatever we fear the most reveals what's first, and for me it did, then we have to ask this big question to start off the new year. How do I put God first in my life? I want God to be first, amen? So how do I put him first? The main scripture, Isaiah 8, 13, and 14. If you've got your Bibles, turn to the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 8. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, all of it will be on the screens, don't worry. If you don't own a Bible on the first Sunday of the new year, we'd love to give you one. You can ask for a Bible at guest services or the Next Steps wall, we'll give you a Bible free of charge, no strings attached. I understand that we have people here today, maybe you're listening or or you're watching online, and this is not a question that's high on your priority list, because I know there are some people who would say that while you believe in God, you believe He exists, following him or, or putting him first on the priority list is not something you're focused on right now. And I understand that. I do. Completely under, understand that. And while I do believe the most important decision you will ever make in your life is the decision to put your faith in God through Jesus, I just want you to know that Whether you believe or not, not only do I love it that you are here, but you're welcome here and you're invited to be here, even if you never make that decision in your life. I just need all of us to understand that for those of us who do believe, for those of us who would say we've given our lives to God through Jesus, that, that for us, this should be the most important question of every day in 2018. How do I put God first in my life? because this is not a one-time decision. This is an ongoing decision. This has to happen every single day. Now, New Year's resolutions, they can be great. I had someone tell me just the other day, they read an article that something like 65% of people after five days have already abandoned their New Year's resolutions. So that's amazing to me. But New Year's resolutions can be great. Making goals, they can be fantastic and helpful. In fact, in this series, we're gonna look at some practical stuff. Like how do I make sure uh, that that. That I have the right things first in my finances, and the right things first in my fellowship with God and the church, and the right things first in my physical body. But all of that is secondary because it all starts with this question, how do I put God first? If God's not first, that other stuff does not matter. And I believe the answer is in our main scripture for today. So let's jump in here. Isaiah 8, the first part of verse 13 says this make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life, or in other words, make the Lord of heaven's armies first in your life. Well, that doesn't really explain how to do that. And so there's another verse uh, from the apostle Peter. So Peter, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, he wrote a letter in the New Testament. We call it First Peter, super creative with our Bible names. First Peter 3.15, Peter says this, Instead, You must worship Christ, or literally means set apart Christ as Lord of your life, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. So here's the first way I think every single day we put God first. Number one is this, I need to set him apart. Set him apart. Life is full of stuff, right? Like there's all sorts of stuff in life that we are trying to juggle that competes for being first in our life. Does it not? Like there are things competing to be first in our life. So I brought some stuff with me to illustrate this. So life's full of all sorts of stuff competing to be first in life our life. And oftentimes, this is how we view, I think, stuff and the competition for being first in our life. So we'll start with this. I brought this mallet. Now, I know that not everyone has a hard labor job. Mine is not hard labor. My wife says I have ladies' hands. So, um, but, but this represents our jobs or our careers, right? Like for most of us, if you have a full-time job, you spend more hours at work than you do anywhere else. So we got work competing to be first in, in our life. And then I brought these glasses, not for my eyes, but for the money, 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 money. Right. So we, we, we got these representing finances, money in the bank, resources, what, whatever it is, uh, that's what these represent. And, and then we, we, got, uh, we got this, we got a uh, stuffed animal representing our, our family, specifically maybe our, our children that we have in life. And then we have a car representing our possessions. Right? We all got possessions have varying levels of them, but everybody has possessions and we're trying to juggle all these things in our life. Um, I, I brought this. Uh, we'll, we'll go with this next. So I brought this and I wanted something to represent hobbies, but I didn't want to pick on anybody's hobby. So I picked a hobby I believe nobody has, butterfly catching. So we got butterfly catchers right in the room. And if you're here today, I'm not picking on you either. I just wanted to pick something. Uh, I I brought this this coffee cup representing friendships or relationships. My cup says, I like big mugs and I cannot lie. (laughs) Love this cup. We know that all good friendships revolve around coffee. Can I get a witness up in here? (laughs) My wife will disagree. So, So we get this and then... Yeah, see, this is already a problem. I, I brought this ball, and you're thinking, yes, I know this is our favorite sports teams. No, because if you're married, I also brought a chain. I'm kidding. I actually brought this because she won't stop talking. This was her idea, by the way, just so you know. don't. I, I asked my wife for permission. She said, use one of these things. So I did. And then I brought this cross, representing God. It's a competition going on, right? So here's how we often view putting God first in our life, setting apart Christ as Lord. We view it as I'm juggling all these things competing for my attention, and if I can just keep God a little higher than everything else, that's putting God first in my life. But this is not putting God first in your life. This is not what it means to set apart Christ As Lord. It's not Jesus is a little bit higher than everything else and everything else just falls behind Jesus. This is huge, by the way. It's Jesus is first in my life and everything else flows through him. That's what it means. So so it's not I have my job and God's a little higher than my job. No, it's I have a job and I work at this job as if I'm working for the Lord himself. That's what Colossians 3.23 says, that whatever you do, work as if you are working for the Lord. So I don't work for a company, I work for the creator. Hello. And my job flows through Jesus. It's not I have money and, and God's a little higher than my money. No, it's every dollar that God gives me, I live it. I live with this money as it flows through Jesus. That my giving flows through Jesus and my getting flows through Jesus. So let me ask a very personal question. 2017 just ended, 2018 has begun. If someone who didn't know me, didn't know you, looked at the way we used our money in 2017, would they be able to say that our money flowed through Jesus? Whoo, that gets personal real quick. It's not I have God and my relationships are a little bit lower than God. No, it's all my relationships flow through God. So the way I interact with my friends, the way I interact with my boyfriend or girlfriend when no one else is around, the way I treat my spouse, the way I raise my kids, the way I interact with my friendships, does that flow through Jesus? Does my sexuality flow through Christ? That's what it means to set apart Christ as Lord of your life. It's not Him and everything else falls behind that. It's him, and everything else flows through him. Romans 11.36 says this, for everything comes from him, that's God, and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. Everything comes from him, exists by him, and is there to bring glory to him. That includes all of us, by the way, and everything we have in our life. All glory to him forever. Amen. It's not God first and everything else falls behind. It's God first and everything else flows through him. That whatever I fear the most will reveal what's first in my life. So how do I put God first? got to set him apart as Lord of my life. i got to make him holy, Isaiah says, in my life. And then he continues. The, The second part of verse 13 says this about God. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. Now, what does that mean? mean, In our English understanding of fear, we we think afraid. And yes, the Hebrew word that Isaiah uses can mean afraid or terror, but it can also mean respect, admiration, honor, and reverence. So I don't believe that Isaiah is telling us we should be afraid of God. I believe Isaiah is telling us that we should stand in awe of who God is. And that's the second way I believe we put God first. Every day, we set him apart. Number two, we stand in awe of God. Stand in awe of God. The focus of this kind of fear is a sense of reverence and honor and respect and renown for the majesty and wonder and splendor and glory of who God is. And if I'm being honest, I think we've lost some of that in our American Christianity. We've lost some of the wonder of who God is, the reverence and awe and fear of God. Now I've had moments in my life where I feel like I've gotten glimpses of the glory of God, like standing at the base of the Grand Tetons, or experiencing the power of a a worship experience like we just had, or the glory of a beautiful Wyoming sunrise or sunset. They blow me away every single day, whatever it is. I've had moments where I've been in awe of God, but I'm not sure I fully comprehend His majesty. And I'm challenged by that today, church. It's more than just the words that we say. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 7 says talk is cheap and daydreams are useless fear God instead fear God I threw that one in. it's on the screen some of you were looking it's not there I Added it this morning sorry I think Isaiah understood this because in Isaiah chapter 6 two chapters previous he was given a vision of the glory of God he saw God in all of his wonder and splendor and when he saw the glory of God after seeing it, here was Isaiah's response Isaiah 6, verse 5. It's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Isaiah was so blown away by the glory of God, he said, My life is over. It's done. In Exodus chapter 3, when Moses encountered God in a burning bush, we are told that after God spoke to Moses, Moses covered his face, afraid to even look at God. In Exodus 33, Moses asked God to see his glorious presence. God tells him, no one who sees my presence can live. So I will hide you in the cleft of the rock. I will pass by and I'll let you see the backside of my glory. And after only seeing the backside of the glory of God, Moses came down off the mountain and his face was radiant with the glory of God. After Job experienced the worst of all tragedies in life, he lost all of his kids, all his possessions, even lost his health. He wanted God to give an account for what had happened. So he wanted God to give answers as to why did this happen? And God gave him an answer, but the answer was not why. The answer from God was, here's who I am. And God declared to Job who he was. Was. And after God revealed himself to Job, Job said this Job 42, 5 and 6, I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. He was speechless at the glory of God. In Ezekiel chapter one, God revealed his glory to Ezekiel. Ezekiel fell face down on the ground in fear. In Acts chapter nine, Jesus appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus. His appearance caused Saul to fall on the ground. When he came up, he was blinded by the majesty of the resurrected Lord. In Revelation, when John saw a vision of Jesus, John said, I fell to the ground as though I were dead. Psalm 89 verse seven, I added it this morning. It's not in the notes. So if you look, it's not there, but it says this, the highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He is far more awesome than all who surround his throne. Now church, I don't know how we get there, but I believe we need in our church, even in my life, a reawakening Of the glory and majesty and splendor and wonder of who our God is. That this year, 2018, we choose to stand in awe of God or perhaps fall at His feet in surrender. Do you know why so many of us lift our hands when we sing worship? because there is no other response in worship but surrender. This is an act of surrender. There are sometimes, like today, I feel like I can't get my hands high enough. Like I'm gonna kind of my skin wanting to praise God. Whatever you fear the most reveals what's first in your life. So how do I put God first? Well, I set him apart, then I stand in awe. And listen, not just during worship at church. A.W. Tozer, the great theologian, said, if you do not worship God seven days a week, you do not worship him on one day a week. He said, there is no such thing in heaven as Sunday worship. Unless it's followed by Monday worship and Tuesday worship and so on. So I stand in awe, not just today when the worship's really good, but every single day. I set him apart. I stand in awe of God. And then Isaiah eight thirteen, or number three is this. Last one. I got to seek him for safety. Got to seek him for safety. I want to read to you what we've already read, and then add the first part of verse 14 now, Isaiah eight thirteen and 14 says this, make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. Then check this out. He will keep you safe. Doesn't seem to fit, does it? Like he's the one that makes you tremble. Sounds like someone you run from. But that's just it. Our fear of God is not the fact that he is someone to be afraid of. It's based on the fact that he is someone I can run to. Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him, and they are what? Safe. Like a child runs to the loving arms of God of their father so we run to our God. We seek him for safety, why? Because he's the one I should fear. There's no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God, didn't we just sing that? I seek him for safety. I stand in awe of who he is and I set him apart in my life. What happens is if you work backwards from this now, I think it actually works better going backwards, (laughs) that when I fear God the most, my faith will be in him alone and I will find he's first in my life. When I fear God the most, my faith is in him alone and I find he's first in my life. The reverse is true as well, by the way that if money is first in my life, I will fear not having it the most. And I will seek money for security and protection and fulfillment and for safety. If relationships are first in my life, I will fear not having them the most. And I will seek whatever that relationship is for safety, security, protection, fulfillment, satisfaction. If my hobby or my job or my health, or whatever it is that's first in my life, I will seek it for safety, security, protection, fulfillment, satisfaction, and let me tell us, church, speaking from experience, all of it leaves us empty. All of it. It's a never-ending pursuit of satisfaction that will never fill you up. So there's one thing I wrote in my journal that I didn't tell you about earlier, I ended that journal thought that day after being challenged by my own fear with these words to God People can't protect me. Only you can. Money can't protect me. My job can't protect me. My relationships can't protect me. My health will not protect me. Only you can. For all of us, this can either be a starting point or a stumbling block. Starting point or stumbling block. This kind of message demands a response, it does. And that response is either God will be first or something else will. There is something first in your life. It might vary by moment. Like that day, on that Sunday, what was first was people. And I had to put God back in his proper place. So that's why it's an ongoing thing. But either God will be first or something else will. There is no middle ground. That if you choose something else to be first, Jesus becomes a stumbling block for you. In fact, look at at the last part of verse 14. I'm going to read all of Isaiah 8, 13, and 14 one more time. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah, he'll be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall, And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Either a starting point or a stumbling block with this decision. I'm gonna go back over my stuff here. So if money's first in my life, then Jesus becomes a stumbling block to my money. And I'm always gonna be tripping over, trying to find fulfillment with money. But Jesus is in the way. If relationships are first in my life, then Jesus becomes a stumbling block to those relationships. And I find myself tripping and falling all the time. Why? Because I'm not living my relationships through Jesus. I'm trying to live Jesus through my relationships. and It doesn't work that way. It's a stumbling block. So it's a starting point. Great reminder for that group, by the way. <laughs> Sign up for that. Or a stumbling block. So what is it for you? Maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor Jeff, I I know I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I put my faith in him for the forgiveness of my sins, but I have let some other things start creeping up on my list. I looked like you earlier holding all that stuff, and God's a little bit higher. And I just want to say at the start of 2018 that right now I'm declaring I'm going to do my best to put God first. I want to make that public declaration. That's me. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm raising mine with you. Okay. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask for all of us who raised our hands. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that we would not just have you a little bit higher than everything else and stuff kind of falls behind that, but you'd be first and our life flows through you. Lord, this is a daily decision to set you apart. So I pray today as we make that declaration, we'd transfer to tomorrow. We wake up, say, God, I'm putting you first. Everything in my life, I pray today would flow through you. Maybe you're here today, though, and you have never actually started your faith in Jesus, never put your faith in Him for the forgiveness of your sins. And I will tell you that while I think we will give you some great practical tips and pointers the rest of this month, unless you have God in your life, it's not going to matter. And I can't think of a better day than the first Sunday of the new year to start your life in Christ than this one. Can't think of a better one. So if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, I hope you know that Jesus came, God in the flesh, for you. He lived a perfect life, he died in your place, he rose from the dead, he is now in heaven waiting for our return home, but in the meantime, he wants to make us alive on the earth, in our hearts, spiritually alive. So if you want to go from spiritual death to spiritual life today, I want to challenge you to say this prayer with me. Just say it silently in your heart to God. Father, I believe in Jesus. Today I make the declaration he is my Savior and Lord. I confess all my sins to you. Everything I've done, I give it to you. Please, God, wash me clean and make me new. Come into my heart and reign in me. Make me alive today in you. I repent of my old life, I will turn from that, and I will start following you by the power of the Holy Spirit in my new life. I receive from you salvation. Thanks for loving me. I'll do my best to love you back, in Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer, I want you to do something very bold, but very safe. You're in a loving environment. I would love for you to to let me know that you did that by raising your hand, leaving it up. I just asked Jesus into my heart. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God in the back. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. I see you right there. Amen. That's awesome, church. Yes. Amen. So proud of you and your Father, your Heavenly Father is proud of you as well. He is beaming with pride at your decision today. And we'd love to help you in that process. You can't do life alone. And so we've, we've designed a devotional for you called 21. I wrote it myself for you. You can get a free one out at guest services. Just ask for a, a 21 devotional. We'll get one in your hands. If you'd also mark on your connection card that you asked Jesus into your heart, that would be fantastic. Uh, we're not going to do anything weird. We just want to celebrate with you and give you some resources. I would challenge everyone in the room. I want everyone to hear me right now as your pastor. You can't do life alone. And so when we say we're announcing group signups, this is not a program in the church. This is life together. So I would challenge you to get signed up for a group. Start with that list, sign up for one. I'm in one, my wife's in one, all of our staff is, we need to be together in this. So I wanna challenge you, you, you're not gonna live out this without people around you helping you. I can't either. So get, get in a group before you go today. Um, so I I love you guys, let me pray for you, Um, great start to the new year today by the way, Uh, let me pray for you and then I got two quick closing things and we'll let you go, God thanks so much for today, Uh, Lord I thank you that that your word is just so relevant, man, the words of Isaiah written so long ago ring true today, Lord thanks for that, pray that it would uh, walk with us, leave us from this place, Lord I pray every day this week, challenge for our church, Lord that we would set you apart, we'd stand in awe, and we seek you for safety every day this year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're new here, so glad you're here. Please stop by the living room on your way out. We'd love to greet you over there. If you need prayer for anything going on in your life, uh, stop by the purple tent in the back of the auditorium. We've got some members of a prayer team back there. They'll pray for anything going on. I love you guys. Have an awesome week. Happy New Year. You're dismissed.